Malolele, Fakalafalahiatu, and welcome to the Champions of the Pacific. I'm Sally Jane Hopgood, filling in for the wonderful Tali Anderson. Kamna Māori, I'm Vinnie Wiley. Today, former New Zealand and Samoa netball international Linda Vangana on how the absence of her parents at netball games would end up guiding her career off the court. And Palau's first Olympian reflects on the highs and lows of an all-too-brief sporting career. She was a key player for the Silver Ferns for nearly a decade, yet her parents weren't very rarely seen supporting from the sidelines, and not because they didn't want to. Former New Zealand netballer Linda Vangana admits perhaps she didn't want the additional pressure on game day, but they were committed to serving their Pacifica community for as long as she can remember. Mum and Dad were very busy in their community work, um, you know, the, the work that they were called to do. They would pop out to the odd game, not many. Um, I just think that they don't come because I don't really like them watching. <laughs> oh, really? I think so. <laughs> I don't like... I think I can play in front of crowds of people, but having my parents there, just something different, I don't know. It just felt like I have to play better. Like, you know, you put all that, that pressure on yourself. Uh, but at the end of the day, they just kind of um, were more comfortable being at home busy running church things it just became netball just became an escape for me over time uh, I missed out on heaps of you know amazing celebrations for family but at the same time I was very aware of the amazing work that mum and dad did uh, and when I retired I sort of carried on from some of the work that they were doing. Linda's mother was a seamstress and her father a teacher before studying theology and becoming a minister but together they would help Samoan migrants assimilate to New Zealand society, getting them into work and homes, something that has stuck with their daughter throughout her career, both on and off the netball court. Watching and being a part of what they do, it became all I knew what to do. Um, and, oh, OK, great, I, I was part of, very fortunate to be part of the Silver Ferns, but I really believe that if I'm in the position where I can um, add value to you know, anything, then I know that I have to try my best to do that. Um, and at the moment for me, it's just, I just love young people, uh, purely because I know what I went through. And there's just no way that I can even bring myself to believe that young people in New Zealand uh, are not succeeding because they can't read or they can't write or they can't, you know, um, they're not doing well in school. I had that life, you know, where I wasn't doing well in school, but I had some amazing champions around my life that um, that inspired me. So, you you know, anybody um, who I come across has always been an inspiration, and I never see myself in that, you know, so i got to believe it myself <laughs> before I can pass that on. Um, going back to tertiary, I didn't do very well at university, I think. I really didn't know what I was doing. I think this is something that a lot of young people go through. So I, I wanted to be in um, criminology, and I didn't do very well in some of the subject, you know, in some of the papers. And then I thought, oh, actually, I actually really love working with kids. And so my degree pathway changed to um, child psychology, and then it changed to um, anything that was education. And at the time, I was also working for mum and dad, running their, um, getting you know, young people into work. Um, helping them, helping them go through all the various papers that they needed to start a, a basic job. So it was basic life skills. Um, and I was then offered a job at AUT to recruit our Pacifica kids, you know, out of high school. So things have kind of 
always come along that path and and I put my heart and soul into that work you know trying to get uh, young people too and and I felt I I didn't have a degree myself and I just felt like the biggest hypocrite trying to get everyone to study and then um, this job was offered and I had established so many relationships with colleges um, and with the universities and when this role came up um, Bruce from Main Freight who is the executive chairman of Main Freight um, uh, offered this role as I was a role model for books and homes um, and I said, oh, okay, <laughs> this be a nice little challenge. And I've been here ever since. Wangana is an Auckland-born Samoan but has a long history with the game in her ancestral home. She captained Samoa at the 2003 World Cup tournament where they climbed to sixth place, their highest world ranking, and coached the national team to eighth place at the 2007 World Cup. She went to Samoa to help nurture netball back to good health, but now she's focusing a little closer to home to ensure books are visible and accessible to children in Aotearoa. You know, I mean, Duffy Books and Homes is, is really about inspiring young people to see the value of books and see the the power of um, you know what reading can do, which is you know our our mantra here in the office is like. You know, Alan Duff is um, you know a child that can't read becomes an adult that can't communicate. And if you look at if you look at all the problems in the world, if every young person is able to read and sees the power of what that can produce, um, and then pass that on to their children, it would solve probably most of the problems here in New Zealand and around the world. So, you know, we we. Our biggest role here is making sure that we're not doing this on our own, but that we start to have the right conversations with um, the right people, right organisations, uh, to because we really are. I think I've said to you, you know, failing our young people. You know, why are they attending high school? A high percentage of them in their first year of high school, and a lot of them can't read. That that's not right. Um, so. You know, Duffy Books has a responsibility across with teachers and, and government to see how we fix that. And Linda Bangana has been with Duffy Books and Home for the past 15 years, ensuring that young people throughout Aotearoa have an opportunity to read and uh, enjoy uh, a good story or two. I, I should probably read a bit more, to be honest, Stella. Yeah, well, I actually was inspired to read because of Duffy. I had Duffy kids throughout my primary school schooling years. I remember one of my um, favourite role models was Monty Beetham, uh, and you may know him as a former Warriors uh, player, now broadcasting for Sky Sport, I believe. Um, and he also went to the same primary school I went to, so I think that's why it was extra special. Yeah, I, we, we had it at kindergarten, actually. Um, when you left your kindergarten, you everybody would give a, a book to the kindergarten sort of as a memento as you left and I really wanted, you know, where the wild things are. I, I wanted to leave that book and then sort of a few months before I left, somebody else, another kid, gave that book to the school and I had to think of another book to leave them. Uh, it's been you know, 25, 30 years. I'm still a bit bitter about it, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> Let it go, Vinny. I know, I know. But this is important work that uh, Linda is doing, especially for um, the Māori and Pacifica communities and she tells us why. Māori and Pacifica children are highly representative in, um, you know, in those statistics. And like anything, you know, our demographics are always going to be our um, low-income earners, um, those who are in low socioeconomic areas are always going to be the hardest hit. Um, but again, if the kids that um, can read, the hope is that they'll become adults to pass on that love of reading and love of books and 
and it, you know, it just opens the world to success. It's the key to open up any door of success, and that's in all the quotes that, <laughs> all the quotes and messages that our amazing role models um, go out and share with all our hundreds of schools that are on the program. And I, I know this sounds very convenient now off the back of what we've just heard there from Linda Wanganar, but I actually, I spent yesterday trying to buy a book. Uh, you know, I've got so many books that I bought that I buy that I never get round to reading, so uh, maybe Linda here, hopefully she's inspiring the people listening to this as well, but uh, she's inspired me to go out buy that book, which I found out actually isn't out till next week, but um, to actually finish it this time. Love it, Vinny. Now imagine being 16 years old and competing in the biggest sporting event on the planet. And then before you know it, your time is up and you're forced to retire before you even reach your 20s. Nicole Hayes was born in New York and raised in Houston, Texas by a Palawan mom and American dad who met while he was here in the Peace Corps in the Pacific. And 21 years ago, the teenage swimmer was given the opportunity to represent Palau at the Olympic Games. Back then it was hard to stay in touch with family and, and everything, but one of the things that we did was we did order the Palawan newspaper. So we ordered Chabelau to be shipped to our house. I have no idea how much that costed, but we kind of kept up with news that way. And then I don't remember if they called us or if it came up in a conversation my mom was having with one of her sisters, but they mentioned, hey, we're forming an Olympic committee and I think the, the way the rules worked back then is the most approachable way for a company to, a country to compete for the first time is to have uh, a male and a female in an individual sport. Um, so they were looking at sports like track and field, like swimming, like weightlifting, which is Valerie was a weightlifter to start up that way. So both from a how do we how do we get in and also how do we fund this because it's it's come from an island that's pretty remote and have to do all of the events that you have to do leading up to the Olympics and then have to do the Olympics is quite an undertaking. And, and what did it mean to your family? Also, you know, firstly at the Micronesian Games to actually go to Palau and represent the country for the first time there at 15, I presume, and then a year later, of course, the Olympic Games to not only represent Palau at 16, but also to be the very first person to ever represent Palau at an Olympic Games. Yes, uh, that was huge. For the Palauan side of my family, it was definitely a great way to get to know my family better. So on a personal level, it was really meaningful for us. For the American side of my family, everybody came to Sydney, and it was actually the first time that our whole American family got was able to get together. Um, so it was really significant for both for both sides. You know, who were the stars that you walked past and thought, bloody hell, I'm 16 years old. Who did you see? Who did you meet? Okay, so right out of the gate, first day or two, I think it was, it's got to have been the first day because I didn't even know where to go to eat lunch. Um, and so they were said, oh, let's show you the cafeteria. So we walk in there and I had a yellow beanie on. Like I just had a yellow hat on because I was cold and the Australian swim team walked in. And I was just, there's Grant Hackett. There's Ian Thorpe, there's Michael Klim, there's like, you know, all those people that you hear about and you just, you know, they're in, they're in magazines. They're, you know, not real almost. And there they were. So, you know, you're 16, play it cool, play it cool, eat your dinner, don't drop your fork. And one of them comes by and says, cool hat, and I about melted into the floor. I didn't even look to see who it was. I was just, I just stuck my head like, thank you, thank you. And just, 
died. <laughs> Have you kept in touch with the other four Pilar athletes? Do you do you ever hear from them or do you know where they're at these days? Um, yeah, Peoria and I uh, keep in touch pretty closely. We message each other back and forth on Facebook. Out of the original five of us athletes, the two of us have passed away. So there's only three of us still living. Um, so that's myself and Peoria and then Christopher. Um, they're the two track and field runners. But and Lloyd, who was our male swimmer, and uh, Valerie, who was our weightlifter, have both passed. You know, within within five to eight years after the games in Sydney, I think they were both. Yeah, um, I think they were uh, accidental as well. So, the, you know, just really unfortunate. Yeah, and I suppose it, it does just kind of bring home that you know that Sydney Games for you as a 16-year-old, for the five of you representing Palau for the first time at an Olympic Games, it really was this you know incredible moment in time. That you know, obviously tragic that a couple of them are no longer with us today, but you know, you all had that unique experience. What's been really great is watching people you know grow up, and they've had kids, and watching their kids grow up, and Pura's daughter is named Sydney after the games. And I think she runs as well. So it's just been really great to see that cross-generational kind of thing happen. Pure kind of has done the coach path and then I've done, obviously I'm in a different path, but being able to now be connected with some of the athletes from later games. Um, I think I might've mentioned Sean and I had gotten together cause he was up for up in Dallas for a master's meet. And so he and I met up and kind of talked about what it was like to swim for Palau in 2000 and also in 08 and 12 and what you would tell younger swimmers that no one told you <laughs> or what you would tell younger swimmers that you wish you knew. It's really nice to be able to pass some of those things on. And how did you feel about the actual competition? Because obviously that's what you're there for, uh, 16 years old, the bright lights of Sydney 2000. Um, were you happy with your race? I remember being I remember being happy that I did it. Sydney was the year that they the first year that they allowed the full body suits for competition. But the catch was those suits were only allowed as long as they were made available for everyone. So Speedo came in and just had boxes and boxes and boxes of swimsuits and said, "Hey everybody, take, you know, 15." <laughs> so everybody got to go in and uh, that was the first time I ever wore one of those shark skin suits and I thought well, if you're gonna do it anytime you might as well do it now and so everything leading up to that like trying to put that swimsuit on which it really took it really did take five to ten minutes it's not an exaggeration to waiting in the ready room the competitions that I had there wasn't a, a ready room you just kind of showed up on time so to be in a structured holding place for your nerves to go up was a very different experience but it was really cool seeing the other athletes in the in the waiting room. And, you know, some folks were nervous. Some folks were just kind of focused in the zone to walking out and hearing the crowd and knowing your family is in the crowd. And then you start and then you hit the water and you're just there to do what you came there to do. The whole experience was really surreal when I think about it looking back even the turn and like the last 25 meters and trying to touch the wall and looking up to see what my time was and figuring out how to get out of the water because it also wasn't what I was used to you used to just climb straight up out of your lane and then I realized about part of the way up the wall that I was not supposed to climb up and then I <laughs> 
<laughs> then I was worried about getting disqualified. So I got back down in the water and swam over to the side. Yeah, the whole experience was, was really neat. If you want to hear more from Champions of the Pacific, you can find us online at rnz.co.nz and click on the Pacific tab. Or we broadcast into the region on RNZ Pacific and RNZ National. You can also download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your favourite podcasts. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, look at you. Ka kite.